medical department, only two go to the bench, and we are more than a dozen. We don't train, we only recover. That's a, that's a situation. Preparation, hard work, confidence in overcoming those difficult moments. Today we're still outside Liverpool and we are going to the first part of the medical test. Welcome to this Football Medicine and Performance Podcast. I'm Darrini, a member of the FMPA education team and your host for today's podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Ronnie Banerjee. Ronnie is a GP, sports doctor and MSK physician, currently working as the head doctor of Hull City and also having roles with GB, Taekwondo and in the rugby league with Leeds Rhinos in Jamaica. Ronnie is the, the director of AB3 Medical, an up-and-coming company that aims to revolutionize current medical note-keeping practice by empowering the athlete and providing continuity throughout a player's career. In today's podcast, we will discuss the largely unexplored area of medical note-keeping in football and the challenges surrounding this area. So thanks for joining us today, Ronnie. Thanks for having me, Dara. Great. So just expanding on from the intro, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey to date? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from Hull in Yorkshire and I moved to Leeds for university where I studied medicine. Uh, I knew I, I wanted to join my two loves of sports and medicine from an early age and integrated in sports science there and took opportunities like my elective to be in an elite uh, New Zealand sports medicine clinic. Um, after my foundation years, I did the MSc in sports medicine and then completed GP training. Um, this is when I started working in rugby league at Bradford Bulls for a year before moving to Leeds Rhinos, where I've been for the last six years. I worked with Jamaica too, and they had their first World Cup appearance last year, which was great. And my work in football started as a head doctor at Hull City five years ago. And I have recently started at Team GB Taekwondo the last few months. So like many other kind of sports doctors, I like to keep my hand in in several bits. And I do NHS GP work and mix this with private musculoskeletal clinics in, in Leeds as well. Um, the, the mix of elite team and individual sport alongside working other healthcare sectors, um, I enjoy doing that as it allows you to take the positives from one and use those experiences to try and improve service delivery in another. And through kind of patient experiences, one in particular, I then developed the desire to try and improve medical note keeping in private care, which is what what our podcast is about. Yeah, thanks, Ronnie. And such a varied background that you have and clearly a lot of experience in, in a variety of sports. And, and jumping straight into our podcast, which is all about medical note keeping, you recently contributed to um, the 41st edition of the FMP ma FMPA magazine. Can you just summarize to our listeners what this article was about? Yeah, absolutely. So after a case I was involved in, I wanted to see medical notekeeping and handover standards uh, across elite English football and rugby league to see um, and assess kind of if the current guidelines are being met and if colleagues were having similar experiences as mine. In my experience, I've used multiple electronic medical record systems across sport and healthcare sectors from 
the really bad, including verbal or paper notes to some great systems. And I mean, other sports colleagues will have several of their own examples of, of where poor documentation or poor handover or holes in the system have compromised the quality of care they have given um, or having to spend unnecessary time and further cost doing things. So 77 docs participated across the football leagues and 28 um, across rugby league. Um, so they completed a, an anonymous questionnaire, which gave me a really interesting piece of research. And after doing that, it spurred me on to see if I could improve the current system by going through um, a checklist, which resulted in the Athlete Passport app. Um, and as you said, kind of empowering the athlete and and attempting to merge their record together. So the case I'm I'm referring to is is someone called Angus McDonald. Um, so he was a he was a ex Hull player, and it's in kind of public knowledge after a groundbreaking legal case happened between Hull and and uh, the previous club he was at, um, and that was due to crucial medical information not being disclosed on the transfer deadline day in back in January 2018. So I joined Hull in September 2018 and within my first week, he unfortunately developed a unprovoked DVT. So I was actually chatting to, to Angus yesterday and obviously have his explicit consent to, to discuss the case. And he actually encouraged us to use the case as an example of how note keeping and medical handover needs to improve. Um, otherwise, someone not by not someone might not be as fortunate as him by he by him being back playing professional football against all the odds um, when other people might suffer fatal consequences with what happened with him. So, going on to going on to giving a little bit of a summary of his case, um, my predecessors were treating his mild iron deficiency anemia with supplements as they believed it was secondary to celiac disease. Uh, unfortunately, they went privy to certain investigations um, which were done prior to him joining Hull due to it being on different systems and a full handover not occurring. So kind of fast forwarding to September when I joined post his DVT, we conducted several tests and specialist reviews and found that he had a DVT and multiple chronic clots elsewhere in his body secondary to untreated and undiagnosed ulcerative colitis. After months of anticoagulation, surveillance, he unfortunately developed bowel cancer, um, which, I mean, after luckily having the surgery, um, successful surgery, he was given the all clear the following year and he continued to play at high level and he's now uh, actually in the SPL in Aberdeen. And his story is great. He's actually just set up his own bowel cancer foundation to raise awareness and we stay in touch. Going back to kind of the medical side of it, if if my predecessors had full medical information during the medical, I think risk stratification may have been completely different. But more importantly, they could have continued the investigations and specialist reviews immediately after resigning, which potentially could have led to a different outcome, a different conclusion. As after I've started this journey, people have always said to me, what you don't know, you can't, you can't help. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting case, uh, Ronnie. And, um, you know, obviously highlights the importance of, of, of having proper medical note keeping. And you mentioned there briefly that you did some research into football and rugby league. 
Can you give us an insight of what the of the key findings were? Yeah, so while conducting the research, I, I looked, first of all, at current recommendations from governing bodies, insurers, um, to see if what what they were and if we were abiding by them. So surprisingly, there's currently no standardised guidelines for medical natekeeping or handovers apart from following the General Medical Council GMC recommendations. And when I go through the key findings, that's unfortunately not occurring. I just want to just uh, read out a couple of, of extracts from um, from kind of insurers and and kind of pitch side uh, emergency uh, who who have told us kind of how patient handover and how uh, note keeping should be done. So one of them said, all medical teams need to ensure appropriate patient handover and continuity of care as per the overriding duties under good medical practice, which states that you must work with colleagues in the ways that best serve patients' interests. And the uh, pitch side qualification, which lots of us will, will have, one, one line always sticks in my head is, if it isn't written down, it didn't happen. Um, and, and they say, from your duty of care ends when you have passed the player onto another healthcare professional, not on leaving your club which I found really, really important that bit. And if their career has come to an end, the GP should be informed with permission. So those are just, I just wanted to just mention those because those are kind of current guidelines or recommendations out there. And, and just going back to the actual research. So the research was conducted um, from, from 77 football doctors back in 2021 who completed uh, an anonymous Google questionnaire. So they might have come from first team academy uh, or match day doctors. 80% of them had were first team doctors. And similarly, 28 uh, completed it from the uh, Rugby Football League as well. But there was an equal spread across the leagues from Premiership down to League Two. And there were 15 short questions which were, which were completed. So a few demographic like ones like what division, what uh, they were in what their role was, what their time was at the training ground, and were they classed as the as the athlete's GP? Did they know if the athlete was registered with the GP? If they used a system, was it paper or online? And if it was online, which one did they use? Going on to kind of the medical side of things. Did they get notes from a previous club when someone was joining them or on exiting their care? Did they pass on the notes? And there were other questions, things about, say, medications, how well they were documented as well. And the overriding kind of all the statistics, which I'll go into, it all pointed and showed that the data was fragmented across lots of different siloed systems. And there's poor transferability between the teams and healthcare sectors. So just going into a few of the stats, there were 10 plus different note-keeping systems in use across, across football and in rugby league. And when you compare that to other sports like rugby union, where everyone is on one system and it's standardized, it causes a problem when 49% of us weren't passing on information when someone was leaving our care that's a huge number in, in my eyes, but 
I was shocked in comparison to rugby league, where it was a huge 90% of people when passing on information when someone leaves, leaves the club. Similarly, 49% of football doctors didn't know if their player was registered with a GP. And from medical documentation, it wasn't done 22% of the time. So having all of these, kind of the overriding conclusion for me was having all of these multiple silos undoes all the excellent care provided by, by clinicians across the sport. And if several of us, several clubs are not passing on all the pertinent data, then the player is left with a really poorly summarised record over their career. This in itself leads to duplication of tests and investigations, increased cost and delays in diagnosis and treatment. Yeah, that's really important, Ronnie. Um, and kind of in response to these challenges, you've set up AB3 Medical, uh, a yeah. medical note-keeping facility for athletes that we mentioned in the introduction. And I, I think most clinicians working in football will agree this, this service is, is long overdue. Can you explain to listeners the, the concept behind this passport, mainly driven by some of the, the issues and problems that you found from the research? Yeah, so from, from the research and, and where it came about, I think the challenges are, are clear because we've all experienced them firsthand. From the, from the clinician perspective, we've already mentioned what you don't know, you can't help. And if there's a mix of NHS and multiple private providers across all of these different silos in the UK alone, you're more likely to miss important medical information and spend the necessary time trying to claw back that data. So the examples of, of kind of regular scenarios where that happens when a player attends A&E or, or goes to their GP and we're trying to chase correspondence such as discharge letters, blood scans, vaccinations, uh, when, when players have screenings such as cardiac or, or bloods from multiple different private providers over several years in different clubs or different countries and we don't have a trail of these and if we did it might change the management or chronic disease management um, being suboptimal when, when you're seeing multiple different specialists who are at the top of their game, but if no one's actually linking the record together when they're moving from club and country, um, or the player might not even be registered with a GP where there's a central service for it. Um, when another example, which kind of springs to mind is, is recurrent muscle or joint injuries and trying to get, which happens on a regular basis, you're trying to collate previous scans, specialist appointments, injections, and, and, trying to stop unnecessary delays or duplication of tests or worse, worsening injury for that player. So those are kind of examples of, of kind of daily issues which people might have and, and kind of other challenges are for those third-party clinicians who use different systems. So yes, I might be the head doctor of a team, but when, when you're the specialist or they're going to hospital or um, a different match day doctor or they're on international duty they all use different systems or might not be using a system at all and consequently they they're unaware of the entire presentation or they're reliant on on my referral letter or secondhand information from from a patient and that's often with complex presentations and you can't rely on or it's unfair relying on a on a player to remember um multiple investigations which they've had and and I think a big challenge for that was obviously nowadays there's lots of current hot topics, including concussion, uh, sudden death, mental health, 
and lawsuits for, for medical negligence are on the rise, for example, in, in rugby league, rugby union for head injuries. And and us as practitioners, we have to be more vigilant in in our note keeping and and um and improve that. So from from um the actual research, there was a, a section where I just actually asked for for just kind of notes, just other kind of thoughts of of um of the doctors and what they thought and it was interesting just again if i can just read out a couple of these the someone from the premier league if other clubs are as poor as we have been then it's time there was a consensus within sports to have a workable and cost-effective solutions going all the way down to league two when a doctor saying i've got no idea when players leave the club no notes are exchanged no one requests them there's no online system at the club there's no governance system in place so it's quite kind of scary and worrying when it's when it's ranging from from top to bottom and um moving on to kind of other challenges there's there's um retirement so we've got lots of uh excellent work being done from player care and well-being departments at pfa rugby league cares professional players federations and as well as the kind of mental health impacts of finishing career there's so much medical information collected at the end of a career through injuries, cardiac, bloods, and having to explain 20 years of that kind of information to a GP or or hospital, it's hard and and starting they often have to start from scratch or they have to try and claw back that information from place and it's difficult. And finally the the club. So all the all these different stakeholders, the club, they're at the end of the day, they're they have the player as an asset to them and they're signing this player and through the research showed that 39% of the time it was through a phone call uh, where medical information, if it was being passed on, was being passed on. So people are making decisions on contracts and without knowing the full full picture, which leads to different tests being um, performed and, and potentially time off the pitch. So from, from all of that led to, led to AB3 and, and, trying to think of ways to to improve the current situation. And it led to me thinking, actually, if we fl flip the, the current approach on its head and give the athlete for the first time an electronic medical record where they have 24 seven access throughout their career and it would cross the boundaries of them moving clubs or moving from NHS care to private care or if they left this country and played in a different country, something where they would be able to show a record to, to everybody. So I wanted to create something which was more accessible, standardized and kind of in, interoperable um, for the clinicians as well across that player's career into retirement. So I, I developed a five, five stage kind of, or five step approach to to what I wanted to create in my mind. And I wanted to create the standardized record. So in, as I mentioned earlier, in, in elite club and national rugby union and cricket, they're on the same system. So that allows all private healthcare, such as the screenings and injuries and scans and specialist letters to be in one place when someone moves from clubs in this country. Um, the second point was was to make it interoperable, so for those third party clinicians, so immediately other clinicians, 
other professionals can see medical information um, and that might influence the care they deliver. There are currently delays, as we all know, in, in correspondence or sometimes we receive nothing at all. Um, that would as well would would lead to better documentation of consultations and prescribed medication by all clinicians. Third point was was to try and make a more accessible and portable record. So even if even if someone has a standardized or interoperable record, it still doesn't give the athlete readily available access to their own record. Um, and this is their right under under the Data Protection Act. This is their right. They, as we mentioned earlier, they they might struggle to recount multiple injuries or complex presentations. And while I was while I was preparing for our talk, I I actually listened to with interest to Michael Davison, your your previous uh, podcast from Ice Kinetics, and he questioned whose data is it. And as a club, we collect it whilst whilst a player is uh, is an asset to the club. However. He was saying it's the athlete's data and they need to understand it and own it. And I remember he said that when they have that education and ownership, they'll be able to perform better. And I kind of wholeheartedly agree. Um, chatting to, to top uh, sports and medical lawyers um, after I had the idea of creating AB3 and I chatted about data ownership and there's some gray areas like when the club owns the platform and they're employing those the medical staff to put the data on however what isn't up for debate is that the notes that are being written are about the player and consequently they have rights to a fully accessible medical record whenever they ask for it and um, and that led me to look at look at kind of the latest nhs um policies and things and and they've developed a data strategy this year and last year 2022 and again the overriding message is that data saves lives and they were trying to give their patients better access to their own data through shared care records in the nhs app so if if you've got kind of a, a record which has all three of those points then then you you obviously provide a much better better record and i then thought we need to improve things like the medicals, as as we mentioned. Obviously, I've given a given a case, um, which is a, a complex, rare case, but kind of highlights the the deficiencies in the current system. And if you have a system where the player is able to show an app as part of a medical, it would help remove non medical disclosure disputes. You'd be able to risk stratify better. It help teams who have financial constraints or limited kind of provision because they wouldn't be repeating scans or bloods or cardiac tests. And also it's it's transparency removes the stigma associated with certain medical conditions, which might kind of put people off potentially signing signing someone wrongly. Um, and then the final point was just was just um retirement. And in the past, I know that there's papers which have discussed exit medicals and better ways to try and have everything in one place and if a player has something throughout their career then surely in their hands it's it's a no-brainer that 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 will help themselves their health and every clinician who's who obviously helps them so in a in a kind of very 
kind of summarized way those are the challenges and and what led to it kind of being being built and i think throughout that you summarized some of the the benefits that this medical passport would have for the athlete you know if you were talking to an athlete today what would how would you summarize the benefit of um ab3 in a nutshell how would you summarize the main benefit to them today so it's it's a integrated athlete passport app so it's it's there to help manage injuries and illness better and have huge kind of implications financially and time-wise for for all the stakeholders involved in someone's care the the main thing here is is that you're empowering the athlete you're giving them access for the first time to to everything um and kind of with that with that consent they can show any clinician all the right medical information straight away whatever the club wherever the country wherever the healthcare sector so major life-threatening problems consultations letters scans medications some of the kind of instant things which they'll be able to show and there's various other things within within the within the app and um and how it works so from from how it actually kind of works with the clinician who's looking after them and the and the athlete so there's a standardized clinician dashboard for the team doctor that syncs with the player's app and populates it throughout their career so the dream scenario is a, a 16 year old academy player gets put on it and that follows them around and as soon as they leave my care i get taken off it and then the new doctor would get put on it at the new team but throughout that entire process that player will have 24 7 access and will be able to be empowered and better understand their injuries illness screening and and the way the actual interface i've tried to make it as as kind of easy as possible to to kind of navigate through and there's a scroll scrolling toolbar so it's got problem details consultations letters results medications and treatments and on one side of a, a body in the middle there's there's injuries and then on the other side is where you would put illnesses and and screening and there's various other features which i've tried to put on so to make it as kind of user-friendly as possible so there's for that third-party clinician there's inbuilt forms or uh, audio dictation so that they can add they can now directly add to a truly interoperable system so that the regular team clinician they immediately get a handover on their, their dashboard when someone leaves a message on the player's app it protects those clinicians as well because it's giving them as much relevant information as possible and also the ability of recording notes and kind of finally i wanted to create something where it wasn't just the record just the medical record i wanted to create it as a an athlete hub as such so they'd have the the best in inverted commas resources for things instead of going off and googling things when someone tells them they've got condition x they can actually be signposted to um the right patient websites they can be signposted to the best nutrition the best recovery the best um mental health resources and try and make a one-stop shop of of everything really yeah, that's that's brilliant, Ronnie. I'm sure it would be a very useful resource for not only the athlete but also the clinician and, and club stakeholders. 
I think that's all we have time for today. But thank you very much for joining us. That really was a fascinating insight into medical note keeping and I'm sure a benchmark of things to come in, in the next few years. So for our listeners, we will put the links up for any articles mentioned in the podcast, as well as a link to the website of AB3 Medical. Make sure to check out Ronnie's article in the 41st edition of the FMPA magazine, which provides a further insight into the challenges of medical notekeeping. If you enjoyed today, please subscribe to the FMPA on our Spotify and SoundCloud accounts, where you can reach all of our podcasts. Alternatively, the podcasts are also available for free via the podcast section of the FMPA website. You've been listening to the FMPA podcast. Have a great day.